Good morning, everybody. So glad you're all here. We are just so blessed. We had almost a packed service in the first service. So I'm expecting all of you to be back again in this service next week. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, we're glad you're here and excited that uh, we, uh, we are starting three services. So uh, we're grateful you're here as part of that. And also, let me just say, happy Thanksgiving week. It's next week, this coming week. So that's exciting times as well. In a moment, <clears throat> we're going to be going to Ephesians chapter 2. So uh, keep that in mind as we get ready for some... Uh, some uh, some word. All right. I, I lost my notes. That's why I'm just kind of floundering around here. All right. But it, it, I mean, you know, it all works out anyway. All right. So let me just make a couple announcements. First of all, let me just say, don't forget that next week is our legacy offering week, uh, the city kids that you can get on Amazon. Also, you can donate wrapping paper and then you can also help Lynn wrap the gifts. All right. So you can sign up for that at the uh, Connection Center. Also, let me just say this. Uh, <clears throat> your generosity has been doing amazing things. Let me just show you where your money's gone. Uh, this is the first surgery in the medical center in Uganda that you gave $40,000 to. That just happened last week. So pretty cool. Looks like he's knocked out or she's knocked out. But anyway. It's working, and that's, that's the main thing. So thank you for your generosity and how you're making a difference in so many people's lives. So pray and ask God <clears throat> what he wants you to give uh, next week and come prepared for that offering. Also, let me just say you need to mark this on your calendars. Uh, December 3rd, we have a great speaker coming to start off our Christmas season his name is Dwayne Hill, and he's a Christian comedian illusionist. And I just want you guys to know that I've talked with him by phone, looked up several things about him, uh, seen some things on YouTube. He's been on ABC. He's been on America's Got Talent. He's a great guy, loves the Lord. And this is one of those kind of uh, weeks, December 3rd, where you'll want to bring unsaved friends to <clears throat> to finally be introduced to Jesus Christ. So be ready for that, December 3rd, all three services. Okay, with that in mind, let's pray, and let's ask God to come and touch this service. Father, we just come before you right now, and we ask you to touch the hearts of every person here, that the words that are spoken by these speakers today will be heart-changing. And uh, Lord, we pray for those who don't know you or who have known you at one time but have walked away, will be changed, uh, and know they're not here by accident, that you brought him here for this such a time as this. So we just ask you to move, Holy Spirit, upon the hearts of men. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now, you know this is a little bit of a different Sunday. Uh, we have five speakers uh, in each service, five different speakers. So the five we're having now, we're not in the first service. And uh, I'm going to give you the ground rules. It's like a basketball game. They get five minutes, and then when they their five minutes is up, a buzzer goes off. Then they get 30 seconds of grace, and uh, so the timer begins again. Yeah, there's your that, – that's, that's the end of their grace period right there. How I many know God's grace goes on and on? But not here. Just 
Okay. At the end of five minutes, the buzzer will go off. If the speaker continues after those 30 seconds, the buzzer goes off again. The speaker, then the next speaker will come up and take the mic from that sp uh, from that person while they walk off in shame. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. And then uh, the next speaker introduces themselves, and then the process starts all over again. Let me just say this, that some of these folks will be nervous today. They've never spoken maybe in front of a group. So you need to, you need to encourage them by saying, amen. Can you do that? Amen. amen. Say, you're doing good. And you can say, say, sick them. You know, sick them. And, and they'll just do everything they can to make that happen. Okay. Now, my first speaker, uh, let me just say this about this first speaker. Uh, he's a young man that I just gotten to know this year. Uh, is an incredible young man. And let me just say, I don't know much about him other than this, that he is an amazing cook. He's a baker. And the second thing you need to know is, ladies, he's single. Okay, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. Would you give a big hand to Joe Rogers as he comes to share this morning? Thank you for the introduction, Pastor Doug. Okay, so... I'm just going to start with my life before Christ. Um, I, was, I thought I was a normal young man, just going to college. But I had a problem with smoking, drinking, and doing things that I shouldn't do to have fun. And obviously, my mom didn't want me to, to be doing this stuff. But I was a kind of know-it-all. I still am. I still have that pride. But... I took her advice and started going to church with her about two years ago. And I was going off and on. I really wasn't going to help myself. I was going to make her feel better. And as I kept going, Sunday after Sunday, it started having a bigger and bigger impact on me and my mindset. I always knew the concept of God. I always knew that he was there for me, that I could pray to him. But I kind of used that as a crutch. I would sin, 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 and I could just, I'll repent for this all later in life. I don't have to worry about it right now. And the problem with that is, if you know, it makes the sin just even worse for you. God, God weighs all sins on the same scale, but you weigh your own sins worse than he does. You can weigh yourself down, you can get depressed, and... I started judging myself because I would come to this church and I would see people and I'd meet people and I would understand that I really ain't living my life right. And I needed to change. So just about a year ago, I started questioning who I wanted to be as a man. I'm young right now. I still have the opportunity to change the path that I was on. And the main problem with that is I didn't know how. So I would just come to the church and sit in the sermons, and that wasn't enough. I, I read the Bible, but I didn't know how to understand it. So after talking with my mom, she convinced me to go into the Fresh Start classes. So I started the Fresh Start. I went through a couple weeks, and I convinced my friends to come in there. Two of my friends, actually. And through that class, I learned about the Bible, what it means to be a Christian, and how to be a better man from some of the men that I met in there, like Chuck, Pastor Jimmy. 
There's some great people in this church. I started praying. I started reading my Bible daily. And I ended up taking the equip classes as well. And those are just a whole other thing that just keep layering on, layering on. Until I really, one day while I was praying, I had a large self-inspection. It completely changed my outlook on life because I realized just a year ago, I was going to live my life in sin because I thought it was right. I thought I was having fun. I thought I could repent for all this later. And I started thinking about where that pride came from. The reason I would come to church with my mom and not really pay attention. And I realized it was because I had so much pride in the fact of what I had accomplished and what I had done throughout my life, like getting it, just even getting into college, going into the nursing, thinking that I was better than I actually was, and not realizing that the gifts that I had were gifts from God himself. God has been working in my life for a long time. Even before I decided to follow him, he was working in me and working in my family and especially my mom. Because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. God helps me focus on the good things in my life, the things that I need to stay focused on. And just 10 months ago, I completely gave up smoking and even the occasional drinking that I was doing. I haven't touched it since, and I'm not going to touch it again. God moves in powerful and mysterious ways. Because if you would have told me a year ago, you're going to quit smoking soon, I would have said, you're joking. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And if I could talk to myself back then, I would just tell him, Matthew 19, 26, with men, it is impossible. But through God, all things are possible. I began to truly live God's will for my life. I take the opportunity to serve him whenever I can, any opportunity I can get, anywhere I can serve, because that's what's on my heart. <laughs> There's the ding. <laughs> uh, I'm thankful for this church, my mom, my family, uh, some of the people I've met in here for helping me to open the door to Christ in my life. And I've done so many things. I've changed so many ways. I'm more honest. I'm more generous. I'm more passionate about Christ than I've ever been in my life. So if there's any young men in here who are like that, I just, I just pray for you to do the same thing. Do some self-inspection. Thank you. All right, so a couple of housekeeping notes really quick. Number one, I lost my voice at the beginning of the week, so we're going to do our best Pastor Doug impersonation today. <laughs> um, and uh, number two, disclaimer, if you're looking for the super wise stuff, that's my wife who's next. Excuse me. Um, my name's Caleb Bloom. I am the... Uh, Husband of Tory and a veteran of the United States Army. 
Um, I grew up in a broken home. My parents divorced when I was 11, and my mom converted to Mormonism. Um, I won't get into that very much, but just know that it left a really big weight that I carried around for a long time about trying to earn and live up to the salvation that God was giving to me freely. Um, and I carried that around for a long time. Um, I gave my life to Christ right here at these altars. My sweet wife is the one who brought me to church. She wasn't my wife then. Um, and I also want anybody who has the title of grandparent in here to know that I am the product of a praying grandma. So me standing here, I want you to know that it works. Um, my story is a little bit of story of struggle. <laughs> uh, my friends joke and call me Job because I've seen them done a lot of things. <laughs> Um, when my wife and I started dating after I gave my life to Christ, um, I felt God asked me the first question that I'd ever felt him genuinely ask me, and it's followed me my whole life, which is, if I ask you to go, will you go? My wife and I had been dating for about seven months, and she felt called to join interns, and I was headed for the military. The unfortunate of that circumstances is that we had to break up. But God told me to go and told me if I would trust him that it was going to work out. And so I said, okay. Um, I left for South Carolina, did all the things I needed to over there, and managed to get stationed here at Fort Lewis, where I had the opportunity to obviously reconnect with my beautiful wife. <laughs> and I felt like I'd come back more equipped to be a husband, if that makes sense. I had chiseled off some of the things that were holding me back in the physical as a man worthy of being a husband. Um, we got married and moved up by Fort Lewis. And shortly thereafter, I got in a car accident that almost killed me. Um, my life began to feel extremely hopeless at that point. And uh, I felt like I'd lost the sense of identity that I'd worked really hard to build. Um, and... As I was sitting there, feeling all those things, I felt God ask me again, if I ask you to go, will you go? Shortly thereafter, we went uh, to go visit my wife's grandparents for uh, a family birthday in California. And uh, while I was dealing with all my medical issues, a church approached us there and asked if we would move there to be youth pastors. That was not something that we were actively seeking out at the time, but I remembered him asking me, if I ask you to go, Will you say yes and go? And so we left. And church, that was probably the best two years of my adult life that I'd had up to that point. Like, I got to do things I never thought I would get to do. I had the opportunity to coach high school football in California and minister to kids who were growing up with a lot of the exact same hurts and hangups that we have here on the harbor. It was truly a, a moment meant for us that God had called us to. Um, and after we'd been there doing all that great stuff for about a year and a half, two years, he asked me again, if I ask you to go, will you trust me and go? And I'm going to tell you, it was way harder to say, yes, I will go when things were great because I looked around and I said, but God, you got all these great things that we're doing. I'm praying publicly in the state of California for a football team on Friday nights in front of all the parents. Nobody's throwing any shade at me. Nobody's coming after me. You've kept me protected doing all these things. But I remembered the first two times and said, 
I will go. What I didn't know was the affliction that was coming after that. And I'm going to hit this in a Spark Notes version because there's a lot. <laughs> we came back. My health took a turn for the worse. I started to get really sick because of the medicine that the VA had me on. I went in for an angiogram to have them look at my heart, and I almost died on the table. <sighs> Shortly thereafter, I blew out my knee, and it took the VA almost nine months to authorize the surgery. I was bound in a wheelchair and a leg brace and went through a lot of things. We almost lost one of our sons because of one of my emergencies, and I wept for a very long time. But in lieu of all those struggles, the important thing that God had for me was to know that every time I stood in front of a mountain, it wasn't for me to climb. It was for me to reach out and have him put me on his back and carry me over. And church, I want you to know some of you guys today are staring down a mountain and it looks impossible, but he wants you to reach out and grab his rope because he will show you his power and climb over the mightiest of mountains. All right, that is my husband, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to lift this up here because I'm a giant. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, so my name's Tori Bloom, uh, and I've been going to this church for uh, many years. Um, you know, when this whole testimony thing came up, um, you know, I, I said yes out of obedience. My, my first response was yes, because I told myself, like, when, when God presents a situation like I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And I know that things will go well as they always do. Um, but it's not always easy. Um, I had not a clue what I was going to say, not a clue what I was going to discuss or what, what good my testimony would really do or bring. Um, but you know, God has really impressed upon me that, I mean, this story isn't about me. I'm a part of it, but this story is about God. What I want to talk to you guys about today is God's goodness, his goodness that has followed me all of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, the verse I'm kind of uh, really grasping onto and I felt like the Lord wanted me to share was Psalms 23, 6. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me, all, the goodness of the Lord shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How would I describe my life before Jesus? It was unstable. Um, unpredictability was a huge part of my life. I grew up in a broken home, not so different from a lot of us here today. Um, my dad was an emotionally abusive addict. My mother suffer suffered from a lot of emotional instability as well as um, from an addiction, leading her to basically vanish from my life starting around seventh grade. Um, you know, just, just out of the blue, she said, hey, I can't do this, bye. Left me with my father. Um, you know, I suffered horrible nightmares as a child, um, uh, a lot of anger and emotions I didn't know how to cope with or how to deal with, a lot of affliction. Um, you know, there was always constant turmoil uh, in my life, it felt like. Um, but, you know, uh, one of the saving graces was, as my husband said, a praying grandfather, a praying grandmother. Um, you know, who really covered me. I actually come from, I'm blessed to come from a lineage of amazing, God-fearing men and women. Even my great-grandfather, who recently uh, passed within the last two weeks, um, had served the Lord all of his life. And um, he passed that down generationally. And I'm 
blessed to be a part of that. So I thank God for praying grandparents who taught me to love the Lord from a young age. Through it all, God, God was always there for me. It was impossible to deny God's goodness in my life, even through the tough stuff. When I was 13, I remember sitting in my room crying, um, honestly, as I think about it, quite tangibly drowning in the weight and darkness that the enemy had tried to permeate my life with. I cried out to God and I told him I couldn't do this anymore, that, that I didn't think I could make it. I didn't, I didn't know how to move forward or, or, or what good any of it would do. Um, you know, and, and he met me there. He met me there in my room. He said, daughter, I love you. He said, I've always been there. I'll continue to be there. Um, you know, and when I was adrift in that sea of sorrow was when I was adrift, just literally drowning in that pain, God came and he met me. He came and he saw me and my life was never the same again. I remember that night I was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I was filled with hope. I was filled with joy. God's goodness had covered me and it enabled me to see God's goodness covering me actually all the days of my life following me, even in the darkest parts. I thank God for his goodness and his power in me. My circumstances didn't change right away. Um, you know, life, life is still life. I mean, it was hard. There was a lot going on around me. Um, and, and things didn't change right away, but my heart did. My mind did. My perspective did. And that life-changing goodness has reigned every day in my life since then. Through my teen years, through my marriage, through my family, and in every trial along the way, God's goodness has followed me. God's grace has been there. Oh, sorry. When my husband suffered a terrible accident that changed the course of our lives, God's grace was there. God's grace was there when I had to help him get up, when I had to help him shower, when I, help him, when I had to, to help him do everything. God's goodness was there when I almost lost my son. Even in the middle of the pain and the sorrow and the what ifs, God's goodness was there. He was there. God's goodness was there just a few days ago when my father was in, in a life-threatening accident. And he's home, a little sore, but well. God's goodness has always followed me and will continue to follow me. And it will follow you. If you say yes to God, if you let him in, if you say yes to God, this God of goodness, he will fill your life. He will follow you all the days of your life. I am forever changed, and I will serve him all the days of my life. And I hope that you do too. Hello? Okay. Hi, my name's Ron Wilson, and I'm here to share my testimony and love of the Lord. As a child, I was brought up as a member of the Mormon Church, and at 12, I was baptized as a Mormon. I didn't quite understand at the time what the Mormon Church was about, and in 1980, when I was 15 years old, a friend of mine shared with me that I had to be a born-again Christian to go to heaven. And he invited me to go see Billy Graham with his family at the Sam Ben Gym. I decided to go because I wanted to learn more about how to get to heaven. At the service, I decided to raise my hand and take Jesus as my Lord and Savior and turn away from the Mormon faith. 
during my early 20s, prayer became a huge part of my life, especially when I started logging. I had a, a lot of close calls, like the time that 50 logs come barreling down a steep hill above me and they rolled over the top of me without a single one touching me. Or the time in the snow when I started sliding off the edge of a cliff and my friend snagged my shirt collar at the last second and saved me from going over a 70-foot drop. While I prayed for protection when I was logging, I also turned to the Lord in other moments of need, and he has always been so faithful. For example, one night in my early 20s, at 3 a.m. after a party, I found myself hitchhiking home from Olympia. And I remember praying to the Lord for a ride that would help me get home. I was out of options. Less than five minutes later, a black car pulls up and stops on the freeway and rolls down the window. And the driver said, hi, I'm Brother Tom. I've been sent to find you. Do you need a ride? He told me that he played in the band for his church. And that night, his band was hanging out, singing and praising the word of God until he felt the Lord tell him that he needed to go help someone. And he told me that even though he was from Olympia, he would drive me all the way home to Aberdeen and asked if we could say a prayer before I got out. <clears throat> Another example of God's faithfulness was during a deep sea fishing trip in 1990. The boat I was on got caught up in a huge storm and we capsized on the bar in the push with nine people on board. Through God's grace, I was able to survive being trapped inside the boat while it submerged multiple times. After holding my breath for minutes at a time, and as I was about to pass out, I thought, ready or not, God, here I come. <laughs> and at the exact moment, at that exact moment, the friend that was trapped with me and blew out his last breath of air into my ear, which startled me back to consciousness. And then the boat slowly sank, rolled along the ocean floor six times, and finally resurfaced. And while on the surface, a bunch of debris in a huge way broke open a hole on the side for me to jump out. And at this point, I was about a quarter mile away from shore. And again, God provided me with the strength and ability to navigate wild thrashing 30-foot waves and a fast undertow. Miraculously, I made it to the shore, and I passed out immediately from exhaustion and extreme hypothermia. My first responders were able to take me to a cabin while waiting for the ambulance, and my temperature was down to 86 degrees. Um, I'm saddened to say that out of the nine people on board, seven people passed away that day. Even experiencing the Lord in these ways, I still continue to pursue a life in the world. The Lord has been in pursuit of my heart for many years. But it, it wasn't until recently that I started getting serious about the Lord. My daughter and wife started coming to Harvard Church in 2018, and I started coming shortly after. This year, I got rebaptized for Christ in July, and I started on our donut team. <clears throat> My message from the Lord that no matter where you are or where you've been, praying for safety in sin and in the world or even the bottom of the ocean, you're never too far lost for the Lord. Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He will even chase you down and show you that he's there. 
waiting for you to give your works that he has chosen for you in the church. And some of my themes were the Lord will prove to you that he's real, and I try to make the Lord my very first thought in the morning, and I vowed at 20 years old to never use the Lord's name in vain. Thank you. Good morning, church. Good morning to the, my friends and family online also. They said they would be there, so. Um, this is what God has put on my heart today. Um, today, my son is celebrating his 29th birthday in heaven. This is a picture of him right here. Um, when I was four years old, um, I was given the opportunity to get to know Jesus. We were living in the projects in Hoquim. One Sunday morning, I heard music in the distance. I went outside, and a little bus with a bunch of little letters came rolling by. I waved. It stopped. The man with the guitar asked me if I wanted to go to church. I ran in the house and asked my mom. She said, yes, but I'm not going with you. For some reason, which I can't explain, I was like, okay, and I ran and jumped on the bus. <laughs> some kids were singing Jesus Loves Me as I sat in my seat looking out the window. Most of the next 12 years were spent at Emmanuel Baptist Church, going to Sunday school, GMG, on, e on Wednesday evenings, youth group, church camp, and getting baptized at the age of 12. In high school, I attended a different church, teaching vacation Bible school and praising Jesus. I played basketball for four years at, in high school before each game. The teammates would ask me to pray for them and the other team and the coaches. After high school, I started hanging out with some different people and started drinking, which started out as a little but ended up as a lot. I found myself in the clutches of full-blown alcoholism. The more I drank, the farther I got away from church. I told myself I can't drink on Saturday and show up to church on Sunday. Throughout most of my child or throughout most of my adulthood, I would attend church on occasion, almost always when I was invited. I thought for years that God wanted something or God, God wanted nothing to do with me because of my lifestyle. I came to realize later that that was the enemy trying to take me down. For many years, I kept running into Pastor Doug at different places around town, usually coffee shops. Every time I would see him, he would ask how I was doing and tell me he was praying for me. I felt blessed every single time I saw him. My drinking progressed to where it was out of control. I was able not to stop on my own. My life was spiraling out of control. March 2nd, 2010, I prayed to God to take the obsession to drink away. I didn't want to go on with my life the way it was. My health was a mess. My family and friends, especially my kids, were worried about me. With the help of my big sister, I went to a meeting the next morning at a church. When the doors, when I walked through the doors, I heard a voice say, you are home. I have been clean and sober since that night. I prayed to God for help. I continued to see more, I continued to see more of Pastor Doug around town. If he didn't see me, I would make sure that he did so I could hear him say he was still praying for me. As I was in the middle of seeking God, reading my Bible, I remember thinking, I'm all in. Life is great. Before then, or just before my second year of sobriety, I lost my 17-year-old son, Aaron, to suicide on January 26, 2012. My life as I knew it came crumbling down. I felt like my whole world had stopped only for a moment. 
I prayed to God for help. I told him, I need you. I can't go through the loss of my son alone. Not long after my prayers were spoken, Pastor Doug and Lois came running up to the house, prayed with me, and surrounded me with love. I made my way back to church. I was seeking God with all my heart, but some days were filled with sadness. I was unable to help my daughter with the loss of her brother. At times, darkness set in. I continued to pray, asked for guidance, while the memories of my son, happy and sad, blended together in a way I felt I was in a boat slowly sinking. I got involved in American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and and co-founded a community walk in Aberdeen to help others to heal from their loss from suicide. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was for us. Getting involved with, with, let's see, getting in, Getting involved helped me in my healing process. I also attended a monthly grief support group. I felt God was healing me to help others through their pain and the loss of a loved one. Psalms 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Time seemed to keep passing by, and before I knew it, a few years had passed. The summer of 2008, I was having a conversation with God. He told me to meet him at the water. For the next three months, I met God at the bay, the ocean, and the river. I spent the summer engaging in numerous conversations with my Heavenly Father. One night, I was standing at the kitchen sink, and God revealed to me, I have plans for you. Not long after that, I was enrolled at Grace Harbor College, preparing to enter the world world of medicine, a field I had wanted to be in for years but lacked the courage. I felt God's love all around me. I found myself praying before any decisions were made in my life. I became an active member at Harbor City Church, was in a small group, helping in city kids, and rededicated my life to Jesus. I met Kurt in 2018, got baptized in 2019, got married in 2020. I graduated from college in 2021. I serve a loving God who always answers my prayers in his time, not mine. I thank God every day for my life, his blessings, and the grace in which I live. Oh. <laughs> Let's stand. Have you not heard the God, uh, God's grace on people's lives today? It's amazing. I'm just, uh, you don't realize how when you see somebody, you just let them know you're praying for them makes a difference. Let them know that. Let me just take a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not here by accident today. You could be a Joe Rogers who just keeps on sinning and think you're doing fine until your mom gets in your face. Or maybe a Caleb Bloom who comes from a broken home but has a girlfriend that brings him to church and he finds Jesus. And then you got a girlfriend who comes to church, grew up in the house of God, but she knew she needed more. And she saw God's grace on her life through every situation. Or Ron Wilson who kept running from God, but God tracked him down. (laughs) Even at the bottom of the ocean. 
And then, of course, Joan. Joan lost a son. She's been through a lot. In the midst of that, though, she didn't run from God. She ran to him. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe that's you today. You're not here by accident. You're here because God's been chasing you down. And maybe you need to know Christ today. Maybe you've been, maybe you did at one time, but you don't know him today. You need to come back home. Or maybe you need to give him to your life, give your life to him for the first time. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just a moment because it takes boldness to be a Christian. And you know the Holy Spirit's talking to you. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need Christ in my life. Raise him high. Don't hold back. Leave him up there so I can see him. I see one, two, three. Any others? Raise him high. Okay. I see at least three, four. I see a fourth one. All right. Here we go. We all do this by faith. You're not praying this on your own, but you uh, believe, believe in faith as we pray it. You're not only giving your life to Christ, you're coming into the family of God. All right, so let's pray this together. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, and all my failures. Come into my life. Be my Savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these folks a big hand. If I can have prayer people come on up here to the front. We're going to sing one worship song. Let me just say this. The next steps are getting a fresh start, get baptized in water, go after God with your whole heart. Let's worship.